Episode 6, and we're back, and we've got the live studio audience of two dogs who are staring at me. It's either love or they're hungry or they're going to eat me. This episode, let's start off with Katana Guy. You know Katana Guy. You've gamed with Katana Guy. You've seen Katana Guy in games. Everything's normal. You're going through character generation. You get down to getting that last bit of equipment. And he says, can I have a sword? Yeah, sure, you can have a sword. I want a Katana. Dude, we're playing Star Wars. You can have a lightsaber. Nope. Want a katana. <sighs> okay, whatever. Go ahead. You got a katana. Yeah, you know katana guy, don't you? He's that silly cousin to big gun guy. You know him, too. He picks the biggest gun possible in the book, and if there isn't a big enough gun in the book, he'll find one somewhere and say, I want the big gun. Way back in the day, we were playing Danger International, and the team of, you know, hero games, spies and stuff, and it was a pretty good game before hero games decided to have their rule books look like a New York City phone book. But they were playing, and the team was basically getting their asses shot off. And big gun guy who had had the big sniper rifle decided he would walk to the firefight so it wouldn't jostle his gun. It's like, no, dude, you can run, it doesn't matter. Nope, nope, I'm going to walk. So he walks, a couple player characters die, and, well... Let's just say the other player characters kind of took matters in their own hands. Okay, I was young, I wasn't as mature as I am now, but I let the other player characters just sort of, well, take care of Big Gun Guy on their own. He didn't play with us much after that. Anyway, back to Katana Guy. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what game you're playing, whether it's Call of Cthulhu, you can play Deadlands, you can play Travelers, Star Trek, Star Wars, anything. Maybe once a Katana. And it's a normal katana, right? Except that katanas have superpowers or something like that. I, I don't know. You know, I parry the lightsaber with my katana. No, dude, you can't parry a lightsaber with a katana. Um, I'm going to cut the bank vault open with a katana. No, you're not cutting a bank vault open with a katana. I'm going to slice my way through the stone dungeon wall with my katana. Dude, no, you're not. I'm going to attack Cthulhu with my katana. No. Oh, really? Go ahead. You hit Cthulhu, it does no damage, and now you're a quivering bowl of jello in the corner crying for your mommy. But your katana's perfectly fine. Now that, <coughs> that reminds me way, way back in the day when uh, Riffs first came out. Yeah, I know, Riffs. I was young, I wanted to roll dice, have fun. But I was running Riffs, and one of the characters decided, Can I have attack nuke? Flipping all the rulebook. Um, sure, you can have attack nuke, no problem. While later they meet some other guys, I don't remember who it was or why they were there, but they were negotiating for some NPCs and things were starting to go badly. And Ta Mr. Attack Nuke decides, fine, this is going badly, I'm setting off the nuke. Open up the rule book again. Okay, roll damage. Okay, fine. Now roll initiative. Oh wait, they, they, they weren't all vaporized by my nuke? No, dude, they weren't vaporized by your nuke. This is Riffs. But, but it was a nuke. This is Riffs. I mean, you've got stuff that does more damage than that. It was a nuke. Okay, fine. They all had fucking katanas. Okay, they parried the nuke blast. All right, whatever. Roll initiative, goddammit. Ah, uh, those stories from the past. Anyway, on a technical, move on to some technical notes. Turns out the podcast got just got accepted on Google Google Play Podcasts. I just screwed that up, but don't worry. We'll keep going. 
So, yay! Maybe more listeners. We'll find out in a while. So, I don't know. I think I should get, like, some laugh tracks or some applause tracks to throw in here just, just for, for chagrins. I don't know. Leave a comment. You know the drill. Anyway, going on. Also, from the last episode, we actually have some listener questions, and those are coming right up. I mean, like, right now. Right now we're having questions. So, here we go with the questions. All right. First up, we've got Matt Jackson, another OSR anchorite. Check out his podcast, Random Matt. Um, he called in with a couple questions. I'm not going to paste the audio into this, so hopefully make it a little shorter and synopsize what he says. First on the phones. I'm working on the phone. i got a plan. It's going to be some weird stuff, but give me a couple episodes. I've got a crazy idea that I'm going to try, so trust me on the phone thing. All right. The other thing he brought up was one-shots versus big stories and big adventures. Uh, later on, this might become a whole episode, but just just briefly, with the gaming groups I've had the last couple of years, we had a really kind of, what became a really good plan, and I've carried it on, is we would generally game every week. For one point, to keep GM burnout, we would alternate GMs every week. Give the G GM time to plan, decompress, and an actual chance to play. And also, we would also make sure that the games were not the same genre or the same game. So, for example, right now, I'm running Dungeon Call Classics every other week, and the GM for the other other day, uh, the, the other time, excuse me, he's running uh, Star Wars. And prior to that, since I've been running DCC for a while, we were doing DCC one week and then Delta Green the other week. So it keeps them different. But anyway, on to one-shots versus big adventures. One-shots. One-shots, for me, are really good if you've got an established group and... You have a new game, it's like, let's try this game, and let me just run this one one-shot, see if we like it. They're also good for conventions, or if you're doing a one-shot at your gaming store to hopefully get somebody interested in the game that you were interested in, such as spreading the word either OSR, DCC, 5e, whatever. Now on to the meatier question about big adventures, you know, making grand plans, intricate schemes, and everything else. I used to try to do that, but I don't anymore. I try mostly kind of like a general outline for the first adventure where the campaign starts. And then after that, a lot of it is just improv by having a random encounter or two that just seems to inspire me or some player does something that just inspires me. Uh, a couple examples here. A long time ago, doing a house-ruled World of Darkness game. The first adventure, there was a documentary crew. And there's an NPC, the Sound Girl. She was the only survivor. By the end of the campaign, she ended up being a major player in the whole plots. But at the, when I wrote it, she was literally just the Sound Girl. Didn't even have a name. Um, in the DCC campaign, uh, I was using a carousing chart from, I think, a st uh, I don't remember what game I stole it from, but I was using a carousing chart. Of course, one of the characters gets companionship for the night, and to make it interesting, I made an, another character was on a quest to find a powerful witch. So, to make things interesting, I said the companion was the daughter of the powerful witch who really disliked the aforementioned carousing character. Which just turned into a writing plot through the whole thing. And actually, originally the quest was just to get one spell from the witch, but she's ended up almost being the quest giver for the whole party and getting them involved in all sorts of stuff in town. But more on that when I do my DCC episode. So uh, hopefully that answers that question. 
All right, Matt also called in and wanted to talk about theater, have me talk about theater of the mind more. And to be honest, it was his episode on theater of the mind that got me thinking about theater of the mind. So, but he wanted a little more detail about how I do things, how I like doing things. And a lot of it depends on the game. But especially for the NoSR game, I tend to like the way I did it in the old days. The miniatures are just in the middle of the table. There's no map tiles, there's no drawn out map. There's no real terrain. It's just the miniatures are just little placeholders. I've tried keeping notes for like Orc 1 and then write player characters' names like this is the Orc 1 that this character's fighting. And my notes, when I'm trying to scribble this down on paper, are just pretty much illegible. You know, don't worry about movement rates. Kind of like, yeah, you can make it. Yeah, you can't. You're a dwarf. You're a little slower. What, whatever. It's just kind of instinctual about, in common sense, as if you were doing theater of the mind. It's more of like... In a modern sense, think of you're using a dry erase board and you're just like doing X's and O's for the player characters and the monsters and going, okay, four over here, three over here, blah, blah, blah. I know blah, blah, blah is not very descriptive, but I hope you're getting the idea. Uh, oh, what else was I going to say about that? Oh, yeah, and um, one thing for speaking of back in the old days, you know, it was a long, you know, when, you know, back in the early days, it was really hard to get miniatures. And one thing we did was... Only player characters had miniatures. We used some other placeholder for the monsters. And because also dice were hard to come by, D6s were easy. So there were a lot of Orc D6s. So you had, and just use the face for Orc 1, Orc 2, Orc 3, Orc 5, Orc 6. And you have different colors. So, all right, the black one is the Orc Shaman. The red one is the Orc Chieftain or whatever. Now, I'll fully admit there's just some, some beautiful terrain out there. There's some great minis. They're even greater if you can paint them well. But, yeah, they do actually kind of kind of change the game a lot when you're going strictly by the miniature rules and the movement rates and everything else. It turns it more that you're plotting the movement and everything else and less opportunity for, uh, well, players to do crazy cool stuff. Um, once again, back on my DCC game, one of the house rules that I, I've developed is you don't get a miniature until you reach first level. Um, and the players seem to love that. So it's like, yeah, I can use a miniature now. Yay! It's like a trophy. So roughly, I'd say, to put a good summary on how I do it, or how I want it to work, <laughs> is that the minis are there for a tool and a crutch, but not game mechanics, if that makes sense. Okay? All right. Hopefully that answers your question again there. And, yeah, still, Matt, Matt called me a lot, so that's why I didn't put all his phone calls in this episode because it's going to be long enough with me ranting along. But thank you, Matt. But he also asked me, why Swords and Wizardry? That's going to be a whole episode, so stay tuned for that when I rant entirely on Swords and Wizardry for as long as I can. Yeah, and I also got a call in from Spike Pitt all the way across the pond to the U.K. How you doing, Spike? Apparently, he got turned on to this from Jason Hobbs, and that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside, because Jason's one of those big-time podcasters, and I'm just a little tiny nobody. But uh, it was basically just a shout-out, and he did mention that, yes, I am on the G Plus community for Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, and I've been blogging about it quite a bit. And yes, there's going to be some Sharp Swords and Sinister Spell stuff coming up in the podcast in the future. That's what I'm going to be running after uh, my DCC game finishes up. And there'll be more rants and maybe some 
announcements and other things coming out after that. So you got to stay tuned for them. All right, so I'm going to wrap this one episode up, and I'd like to thank both Matt and Spike for calling in. I'd like to thank for all the listeners who haven't called in, left a message, you know the drill. And you know, like I said, I'd like to thank Matt and Spike for leaving comments, and like I said, I'll try to answer your questions the best you can. They may not be the answer you want, but hopefully maybe it entertains you a little bit, or who knows. So, special shout-outs and thank-yous to Matt Jackson, Spike Pitt, and Jason Hobbs. All right, let's roll on out of here. And thanks for listening. Please visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. That's theymightbegazebos.blog. And the letter B, not B, spelled out. Or visit us on Facebook and just search for They Might Be Gazebos. Ask us questions and you might get an answer. If not, we'll just make up the questions and the answers. Remember, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun. Intro music is Metal Mania by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 Attribution License. Please visit his website at incompetech.com. That's incompetech.com. Really, visit it. There's also downloadable graph paper and hex paper. Additional sound effects from freesound.org used under Creative Commons 01.0 Universal License. So what if I attack Cthulhu with a katana nuke? No, dude. No. 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 Fuck no.